0: So wonderful to, hear, to, uh, to see you here this morning. I'll say it again Happy Father's Day to all of our fathers, grandfathers that are here today. I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. And let's read beginning in verse 16. Abraham has three visitors. Everybody universally uh, agrees that this is the Lord pre-incarnate visiting Abraham. But let's pick up reading in Genesis 18, 16. And the men rose up. This is the This is the Lord. The men rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord and do justice in judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken of him. This is, uh, this is an account where the Lord is, a, is about to go and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of their sin and their wickedness. But he makes a statement about Abraham And our key verse is going to be 18 and 19. But the beginning of verse 19, he says, for I know him. This is God speaking about a man, a human being. I know him. And he's going to do what's right. And he's going to command his children after him to do what's right and to follow me. And I would say this this morning. Men are both to know God and men are also to be known of God. We're to be known, know the Lord Jesus said, this is life eternal, that they may know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Eternal life does not come through keeping religious uh, ordinances. It doesn't come through any other means but by genuine faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. That's what that word no when, when Jesus says, this is life eternal. Well, I would perk my ears up if somebody was saying, this, this, the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, here's how you get eternal life. I would be listening. Amen? He says that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Know here means the most, the most intimate type of knowing you can have. It's, it's used for a husband and wife relationship. And so men are to both know God But also men are to be known by the Lord. We're to be known by the Lord as being men of God, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, men of faith, men and women of faith and young people who believe in God, who walk in God's ways, who delight in God and delight in God's ways. We ought to be known by the Lord as being, that's a faithful man, that's a faithful woman. That's a faithful young person. That's somebody that trusts me. That's somebody that's not perfect, but they're going to they're walk in my ways. And we delight in the ways of God. Moses, the Lord through Moses towards the end of his life in Deuteronomy. I'll just read this. And he's charging the people of Israel. This day the Lord thy God hath commanded thee to do these statutes and judgments. Thou shalt therefore keep and do them with all thine heart and with all thy soul. There's an interesting word we're going to talk about here in just a moment. Thou hast avouched, says in King James, the Lord this day to be thy God. And to walk in his ways and to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and to hearken to his voice. And the Lord hath avouched thee this day to be his peculiar people as he hath promised thee and that thou shouldest keep all his commandments. That word avouched, it's the only time it's used twice in the passage we read, and it's the only time times it's used in the whole Bible. He says, you have avouched the Lord to be your God today and to walk in his ways. And he has avouched you to be his peculiar people and that you should keep his commandments. That word avouched means to say or to declare or to publish You've published with your mouth. Because that Moses said, are you going to do everything that God says? And all the people said, we're going to do everything that God says. He's our God. And he has avouched you to be His peculiar people. But it means more than just to say or declare or to publish. It also means to determine or to intend. So it's, it's as though the people intended in their hearts and in their minds. We intend and purpose intentionally that God is our God, and we're going to publish it and say it with our mouths. We intend genuinely to walk in his ways. Now, they didn't keep his ways perfectly, not by a long shot, but that was the commitment that was made. That's what took place when all the commandments of God were given. It says we we vouched and we publish that God is our God and we're going to walk in his ways, and we mean it. And the Lord says, and I've, I've intended and published and determined that you are my peculiar people and that you're going to walk in my ways. It's an interesting word. We're talking about knowing the Lord because we see both in here. The people have vouched and intended that God would be their God. And God intended that they would be his people. We're talking about knowing the Lord and being known of the Lord. Abraham, in the passage we read He knew the Lord. Abraham believed in the Lord. How do we know it? Well, it's all through the Bible. The Bible tells us that that Abraham believed God, and God imputed it to the man as righteousness. He counted it on Abraham's part, not through good works. His faith caused him to obey. Okay? His faith prompted him, moved him, inspired him. His faith caused him to obey. But the, fa- the righteousness of God was imputed to him by his faith. Abraham believed God, and it was imputed to him or counted to him as righteousness. Abraham, who the Bible says in Romans, against hope, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. As it was written in the promise was made, so shall thy seed be. But Abraham, in addition to knowing the Lord and believing God and believing in the Lord, Abraham was also known of the Lord, are known by the Lord. The Lord knew him. The Lord testified of the faith of Abraham. The, ba- the Bible says in Hebrews 11, we know that sh- wonderful chapter about faith, Abraham. It says, By faith, Abraham, when he's called to go out to a place that he would after receive for inheritance, went, not knowing where he was going. Okay, so the Bible is testifying of Abraham. Okay, the Lord's testifying of Abraham. It goes on to say uh, later in that same chapter that when, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, what was the biggest test of all of his life? Well, leaving his family and go into a land he'd never been to before, where he didn't even know where he was going, was a huge test. But I'll tell you, I believe even a bigger one. When he finally received the child of promise that God promised him. And so said, all, your, all these nations are going to come through this promised child, Isaac. And then he says, Abraham, I want you to offer Isaac up as a burnt sacrifice unto me. And the Bible says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried... Offered up Isaac, counting God uh, faithful, even to raise him from the dead. So the Bible is not only testifying of God's goodness to Abraham. The Bible is also testifying of Abraham's faith. And this is what the Lord, when he says, I know him. When he said in that chapter, that verse that we opened with, that he, he knows, I know him. So I mentioned the word know. It's the most intimate type of knowing a relationship that people can have, okay? It's it's different than saying, like, I know it's Sunday or I know it's Father's Day. To know somebody, okay? You might know about some famous person uh, or politician or athlete. You know about them, but you don't know them, okay? This is different. The know, know here means to ascertain... By seeing, so when the Lord says, "Shall I hide this from my, from Abraham?" I know him. I know him. It means to ascertain by seeing. So there, God, the God Almighty is watching Abraham and He's dealing with him and interacting with him and speaking with him. But the Lord has come to know Abraham by to ascertain by seeing. This is a faithful man. Does it mean he's perfect? No, not by a long shot. Which There's some notable sins and failures and doubts on Abraham's part. But in the end, he got from where God called him to be to where God wanted him to be. And it took faith on Abraham's part to get there. Okay? Trusting in the Lord. But it means to ascertain by seeing. It means acquaintance. It means recognition. And I love this last one. It means familiar friend. Abraham is my familiar friend. All right, so when we say Abraham was a friend of God, we're not just pulling that out of thin air. The Bible testifies that Abraham was a friend of God. Now think about different people in the Bible, and Job comes to mind. When Job was about to be tested, there was a day when the sons of the angels and so forth appeared before the Lord, and Satan appeared before the Lord. We read about and actually these two men lived about the same time, Abraham and Job. But Satan comes before God in heaven, and the Lord says, have you considered my servant Job? There's nobody like him who fears God and shuns evil and does what's right. And see, what I, what I gather from that is that God is saying, I know him. You think he's going to curse you, curse me. And that's even what Satan said. Uh, he tried him, took all his substance from him, all his children from him, and then he comes back and says, If I take his health from him, he'll curse you to your face, God. The Lord says, Oh, I know him. I know him. He's not going to do that. He had to just knowing God and being known of the Lord. I want to be known by the Lord as someone that, that would be like Job in that situation, not perfect. But I can trust God and he knows that when the dust settles and the trials over or whatever, there's going to be Randy still standing there. He hasn't forsaken me. He hasn't cursed me and turned from me and said it's useless to serve God. And God knew that about Job and he knew that about Abraham. And. He calls him, in, and God testified of Abraham as being his servant and his friend. And specifically, if you still have your place in Genesis 18, specifically what God knew about Abraham, at least what's recorded in Scripture here, is he says that I know Abraham will be faithful to lead his household to walk in obedience to me. Let's read it. I am seeing that Abraham in verse 18 shall become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and, and judgment. That the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken of him. So this is specifically what he knew about him. He said he's going he's gonna to follow me and he's going to lead his children and his children's children to follow me. I know that he's going to do that. And so the Lord, again, it was his way to rain down fire and brimstone upon Sodom and Gomorrah, Gomorrah to destroy these cities because their wickedness, the, the smell of their sin had reached heaven. And God comes down. But it's interesting, before he did, he didn't just come down from heaven and destroy them before he did destroyed those cities. I think it's interesting and very telling that he went to his friend Abraham first. He went to his friend Abraham first. He didn't go to other people. He went to Abraham, and then he went and destroyed the cities. He went to Abraham, and the Lord chose, very simply, the Lord chose to share and to not hide his plans, God's plans, with Abraham. He chose, I'm, gonna, I'm choosing to... It was his own sovereign choice. I'm going to share this with my friend Abraham. He didn't have to do it, and we don't read, read certainly that he shared it with anyone else, although there were other godly people on the planet at the time. He s- decided before he went to destroy those cities to share it with his friend Abraham, and he gave the basis for it. Shall I hide... Verse 17, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? For I know him. In verse 19, he gives the basis of it. Shall I hide it from Abraham? No, I'm not going to hide it from him. I know this man. And the Lord does not share. How many of you know the Lord does not share his plans, his secrets, his intimate thoughts with his enemies? No military leader would do that. No leader of a nation would do that. You don't share your most intimate thoughts, plans, details of your life and what you're about to do. You don't share that with enemies. You conceal that from enemies. That's what it means when he said, shall I hide this from Abraham? That means to conceal or to cover up. The Bible says in Psalm twenty-five fourteen, the secret of the Lord... Is with them that fear him. And he will show them his covenant. I'll say it again. I know you've heard it before. The secret of the Lord. That means his intimate fellowship and thoughts. That's what that word secret means there. Not some dirty gossip. The secret of the Lord. Intimate fellowship. Is with them that fear him. An enemy of God doesn't know those things. Enemy of God's not privy to those things. He's not let let in so to speak. Into that circle. Jesus took his disciples apart and he ministered to them at times. And then Jesus took three of those uh, into to raise Jairus' daughter, for example, or on the the Mount of Transfiguration and showed them a little bit more, right? They were with him. The secret of the Lord is within that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. That is for those that know the Lord and fear God and walk with the Lord. He doesn't share his intimacy and his thoughts and his plans with his enemies. He shares them with his friends. And it's no different than that today. Those who know him, those that believe him, those that are walking in his ways, those that will lead others to do the same by their example. The Lord says, I'm not going to hide this. I'm not going to hide what I'm about to do with Abraham. For one thing, at least in part, we know that Abraham had a lot, that he, a lot his nephew that he loved very much, that made a horrible decision and compromise to live in that city. Lot did not commit the sins of Sodom, not by a long shot. The Bible calls him a just man and a righteous man in the New Testament. But he made horrible decisions. He compromised terribly. He compromised in his stand for God And and he was surrounded by sin and that wickedness vexed his spirit from day to day. Nonetheless, he was Abraham's nephew and God was about to destroy this and says, I'm going to tell Abraham, I think the Lord, I'm not think, the Lord knows everything. He knew how that was going to play out. He still did it, though. He still went through it. He told Abraham and what is Abraham? We heard it in Sunday school a little bit this morning. Abraham begins to plead. For the mercy of God. Lord what if there's a 50 righteous. And what if there's 45. And he brings it all the way down to 10. Because he is interceding for the deliverance of his nephew Lot. And God hearkened unto him. God spared Lot didn't he? He brought the judgment on the cities. And he spared Abraham's nephew Lot. And I think he spared him. I think he spared him because of Abraham. I do. I think he had Abraham had that power with God like like Jacob. You've you've wrestled with God and prevailed. Right. Uh, I think he spared him because of his friend Abraham, even though that was a just man. Lot, I think he would have died. He would have gone to heaven. But I think he was spared because of Abraham's intercession on his behalf and because Abraham had a place with God. We have a place with God through Jesus. We come before the Lord and appeal and plead for his mercy based on what Christ's merit. And he is our intercessor and our advocate and our mediator. Amen. But the Lord goes and shares this with them. And he says, I know him. And he is going to walk in my ways. And he's going to lead his children to walk in my ways." So I'm going to address the fathers got a good ways into the message but this is a father's day message and first thing i want to do is thank god for the men in this church that are fathers and grandfathers okay i thank the lord for you and for your life and we have wonderful examples of christ in our church and i think i sincerely mean that i also want to say that we all myself need to be exhorted and encouraged and challenged and provoked in a good way. Once is not enough. Now, one, one Father's Day message five years ago doesn't do it. Uh, one, one, one sermon doesn't do it for any of us. Okay, We need a constant exhortation and encouragement and from the Lord and admonishing us to go on all of us need that as Christians and fathers you need it and I need it as well so we need a continual uh provoking so this is a good provoking t- this morning I'll say to the fathers directly be faithful to God be diligent to lead your child or your children to Christ and in the ways of Christ And be diligent to do it at every moment. This is so simple. This is so basic. This is Christianity 101, and yet it's what God gave us for this morning, and it's exactly what we need. Be diligent to lead your children to Christ as a personal Lord and Savior, and then be diligent to lead them and continue to lead them in the the ways of God. And I would say to do it at every moment. I talk about sometimes how like when I'm when I was in college and maybe you never did this, but I would I would get I was not really living for God like I should. And I would let things get way even in schoolwork. It affected every area of my life. My compromise with God affected every area of my life. And I would miss class for a semester, you know, and then I got a test coming up. And I would cram cram cram, cram, cram the night before or night day and a half before and and pass it. It was horrible because I was smarter than that, and I was you know, but it was just the way I was living at the time. Don't do this with your your walk with the lord don't don't cram, so you know I've really neglected time with my kids or talking to them about Jesus, and so uh there's nothing wrong with having that initial talk or those moments where you set aside time but more importantly than that or in addition to that would be that at every moment at every turn be be speaking of Christ that's what it says in Deuteronomy right these statues that I've given given you I want you to talk about them to your children when you wake up in the morning and when you're walking by the way and when you go to bed at night and I want to put these over the, the door when you come home so you'll see them above when you're walking into the house a constant reminder of the things of God and so fathers it takes effort and I'm going to tell you the effort is worth it put forth the effort to and continue to put forth the effort to, to bring Christ into the lives of your children even when you're tired even when you don't see much fruit of your labor you say oh, I've been doing this and little, little Joey and little Susie seems to get farther away from the Lord put forth the effort to do it and the prayer to do it and continue to do it you are, re- you are responsible for that God is responsible for the fruit comes. You're responsible to do the work, right? To roll up your sleeves and lead your children to Christ and do it at every moment. You want to come to be working and striving that your children will come to truly know the Lord for themselves. Personally, stand their own two little spiritual feet and be able to stand there okay, on Christ, on the rock, that they'll know the Lord, and they'll know the Lord to be real, and they'll know the Lord to be good, and they'll know this in huge part by your own godly life that you've shown them. They've seen that God is real to daddy and mommy, okay, but they've seen that God is real in your life, that he's good in your life, that you trust him, that you go to him, that you rely upon him, that you call upon him, that you fall upon him. And you've heard the little, the little phrase like father, like son. That could be good or bad, right? Depending on whatever uh, example we set for our children. Be faithful to put forth the effort and the prayer to do that, even though you might not be seeing a lot of fruit at this time. Maybe you are. And praise God for it. You will in the end. The Bible tells us that you will. But I would say this, and I'm just directly charging the fathers. Make your own children's salvation and their walk with God through this life. Make your children's salvation and their relationship with Christ your highest priority. Now, yes, I'm including your wife and things like that, but I'm talking about He gave you those children. And me, my children, make their salvation and continued walk with the Lord your highest priority. Don't put other things for their lives ahead of that. What I mean by that is if if I was to go to the fathers, say, what do you want for your children? And I'm talking about don't put anything else above that. Their walk with God. So what I want for my children, I want them to do great in school and maybe get a scholarship, and I want them to be well-rounded, and I want them to do well in sports. I want them to be healthy and good-looking and and well-rounded and, you know, successful. And uh, there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but don't put anything, goals, attainments, accomplishments, even even, uh, wholesome, healthy fun, okay? Don't put anything ahead of your child or your children being knowing Christ? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? There's nothing more important. Fathers don't put anything ahead of that. I want them to do well in school. All this is going to be burned up. We still have to live here as long as we live here. So I'm not, I haven't stuck my head in the sand and pretended like a good education is not important. Those things are important. But they're nowhere in comparison to knowing the Lord. We might be raptured today, okay? And you have that responsibility and that privilege to pour Christ into them. Don't put anything ahead of that. And so dads, obviously, I'm saying the obvious, but I want to say it anyway. You need to know the Lord yourself, and then you need to know him more. You need to know Christ, and then you need to know Him more, right? You 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 gave your life to Christ, but the, David's. I mean, Paul says that uh, that I may know Him, right? Forgetting those things that are behind, I'm pressing towards the mark. There was a continual after the Lord, pursuit of God, and we read that in the scriptures. We read that we're to pursue after the Lord. As the heart pants after the water brook, So there needs to be fathers not only that you know Christ. But that you know him more. Grow in grace the Bible says. And in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grow in that. Right? So you need to know that. Know the Lord and grow in, in your knowledge of God. But we also need to be known by the Lord. And we need to know, be known by the Lord. As, be, like, be like Abraham. A faithful friend to God, a servant of the Lord. We need to be known by the Lord as being someone that's going to be diligent to raise our children. You know, I could just point at them in and I know that, that you are. But still, this is for us today. Good name your name and said, I know so that you're faithful to bring your, up your children in Christ. And yet he's exhorting you more this morning. Okay, all of us more. You know, it's not what we think about ourselves. It's what God thinks of us. Am I doing what the Lord's called me to do? Does he consider me a friend like he did Abraham? Does he consider me a good father, a good grandfather, a good husband, a good worker? You understand what I'm saying? Does he consider me those things? I want to be known by the Lord as as being faithful, right? Being faithful to God. Someone that will walk in his ways, love him, worship the Lord with all of my might. And then someone he knows will lead our children, your children and my children to do the same. Amen. God saw fit. I say this every Mother's Day and every Father's Day. But God saw fit in his goodness to bless you with your children. He didn't give your children to me or my children to you. He gave your children to you. And my children to me and he saw fit in his goodness to do that and he is desiring that we bring them up in christ first and foremost everything else pales in comparison and besides that everything else will take care of itself so to speak if we follow the word of god and put christ first and by seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness He's not going to let your children go uneducated through this life. He's not going to let them go undeveloped socially or in some other way. He's going to take care of that. Put Him first. And put Him first at every turn. You know, men and males and females in this world can produce offspring biologically, but it's God that makes fathers. It's God that makes a father. That that would follow him and know him and love him and bring their children to do that. He intends fathers to be men, and, men of God who trust wholly and solely in the blood of Christ and men that are born in, with this, of the Spirit and filled with the Spirit and fathers of children, mother, sons and daughters who love Christ. And in loving Christ first, fathers, I'm talking to the fathers, in loving Christ first, then you are going to be the father he's called you to be. In loving Christ first, you will be the husband that God intends for you to be. In loving Christ first, you will be the best uh, employee, employer, whatever it may be, by by putting and loving the Lord first. And you're teaching your children the same thing. Amen? Teaching your children the same thing. God has purposed us as men that are fathers, to be men of God, amen, to bring up our children in the Lord. Christ is our first love, and when he's our first love, he takes care of everything else. When we start sweating, that's a sermon in itself that you've heard before about seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, but it is so true and is so needed to be heard. When I put my wife first even, certainly I I need to put her ahead of myself need to put others before myself. But if I put my wife first, my children first, and they become little idols, I would never in a million years call them that. But they can become that if we don't watch it. and We put them first, and we guard them, and we protect them, and all these things. But God has to be first in my life. He has to be first in my life. And if God is first in my life, my wife will be in the proper place, my children and grandchild will be in the proper place in my heart and in my life and I will be so much far better of a father and a grandfather and a husband when the Lord is first. Amen? Because I'll be walking intimate, intimately with the Lord and he'll say I'm going to tell my friend Randy something and he'll come and he'll when I'm praying and putting him first he'll speak. Randy you've been neglecting your wife. But you've been whatever you understand in in my intimacy with god because i'm his friend and he considers me his friend he's going to speak to me and he will make me and i'll say oh lord forgive me and help me and he'll work that out amen all through life but we fathers always say this we there's not a man in this room there's not a father in this room that is perfect we could all say amen to that right We're not perfect. But I can say this, and God's word would say this. We can know God ourselves, right? You can know the Lord even though you're not perfect. You can know Christ as Savior. You can walk with God even though you're not perfect. And you can walk and live in such a way that you can look to your children and genuinely say to them, like Paul said, follow me even as I follow Christ. We ought to be able to say that. We're not perfect. Paul never claimed perfection. But he could say, I'm a disciple of Christ. I'm a lover of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm born of his spirit, filled with his spirit. I'm a disciple of his. I'm following him. Follow me even as I also follow the Lord. And fathers, we should be able to say that and mean it to our children. They ought to be able to look at us and say, this is what a Christian is. I'm going to follow his lead and his example. The good days and bad days and every days. This is my example in my life. We know Christ is our example. But fathers, we ought to live in such a way that our children could follow us as we follow Christ. Joshua said, he says, If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. Whether the gods that our fathers served back in Egypt on the other side of the flood, basically... Or the gods of the Canaanites in whose land we now dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He's, up, You know what he's doing? He's using that word avouched. That's what we used it earlier in this sermon. He avouched. God is my God. I'm professing it and publishing it. But I'm also intending and determining determining it. I'm going to follow God. So you choose whom you're going to serve. Right? And avouch the Lord to be your God. I'm going to bring this to a close but we we look at abraham's life as given in the scriptures and we see he was not perfect we see sins and failures more than on on, i think of two notable occasions but where he even after the promise was made by the lord and uh where he failed the lord but as i said from where god promised him to receiving the promise abraham was faithful He got got where he was going because God brought him there. And God brought him there because he kept his eyes on the Lord by faith and followed God and obeyed the Lord and walked with them. He was not perfect yet, but he was called by God, a friend of God, and he was justified by his faith. And the Lord is going to help us. The Lord helped Abraham, right? I'm going to close with this thought. The Lord helps us. Fathers, he helps you. Husbands, he helps you. And he helps me, and I thank God for it. He knows that we need his help. He wants us to call upon him and to trust him. You say, I'm not fit for this. I know there's people when, uh, you know, a husband and wife, maybe a young couple, and they're about to have their first baby. And I remember the feeling myself. I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. You know, I don't know if I'm ready to have a little baby and be responsible for that little human life 24/ seven forever, from here on out, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I used to think it, I never think I don't think I held a baby to maybe I held my niece. I, don't, I wouldn't touch them. I thought I was going to for sure I was going to hurt him or break him or something. Uh, they're a lot tougher than you think, by the way, but um, you, you feel like you're not cut out for it. But the Lord's saying, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. And yet, fathers may be, you know, Lord, how can I provide for my family financially and all the the needs in this life? And for my children and help them with homework and also help them to learn to uh, work with power tools one day or or throw a baseball and, and teach them about the Lord, too. It's too much. We're going to learn that his grace is sufficient. We're going to learn that he enables us to do what he calls us to do. And we're also going to learn that if we will take what's most important, and that's putting Christ first and first for your children, when you really make that commitment to the Lord in prayer to God, he is going to make that a reality. Instead of a scripture or a Christian theory to put God first and Christ is the most important, the Lord will help you to actually make that a reality where Christ is most important to me, to my family, important to my children's life. One of the things I would say is this, that bring, you know, all the different things that men have to do and husbands have to do and fathers have to do just in life. The, same, the secular world has to do a lot of the same things, right? But I would say this, bring Christ into everything, bring christ into everything every day and every moment of every day is a teaching lesson it is a teaching tool if we'll look at it that that way the bible says whatsoever you do it do it heartily as unto the lord fathers provoke not your children to wrath but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the lord knowing that whatsoever good Good thing any man do it; the same shall he receive of the Lord. So, what am I? What am I saying? And things that I've learned and learned and am learning myself is that bring Christ into everything. If you're helping your kids with homework, if that's what's going on, Algebra One, Algebra Two, whatever it is, you're helping them, and they're struggling with it. Bring Christ into that. If you're helping your kids. Um, Sports, teaching them how to make a tackle or whatever, bring Christ into everything. Bring Christ into uh, maybe they get a, get a little older and get a summer job or something like that. Bring the Lord into everything. Their relationships—they got friends that treated them wrong, right? Or they treated their friend wrong, whatever it may be. Bring Christ into everything. Every situation is a wonderful time to show. This is, this is a scripture for this, or here's what God says. God says in his word, you got to be quick to forgive those friends that, you know, gossiped about you or mocked or didn't invite you to their party or whatever. You have to be quick to forgive. Remember how Jesus has forgiven us. You understand? Use it all. Bring Christ into everything. Successes and failures and hopes and disappointments, for your, for your children and in their lives and in your own. Bring Christ into everything. We might say, well, my dad wasn't even a Christian. My grandfather wasn't a Christian, and, and, and I just can't do it. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We trust God for that. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creature, right? It starts with you. It starts with you, and God is faithful. So I'm going to bring this to a close. Call to the Lord call out to the Lord for his help. Turn to the Lord for his help. Don't be too uh, lazy to do it. Don't be too prideful to do it. You know, men, we want to be very self-sufficient. Well, as Christians, we're to be God-sufficient. Our sufficiency is of God, men and women. And we need to trust the Lord, and we need to go to him when we have failed and say, I have failed. And this with my children, it was wrong. I was a horrible example. I was unchrist-like. I was selfish. I was, and you say, God, forgive me, and you go to your children, and you say, Daddy was unchrist-like. Would you forgive me? And they say yes, and you move on and you grow in the Lord. Amen. He's so faithful. But call to the Lord and trust him to strengthen you to be, to be what he's called you to be. As a man. And as a father, we might have a whole lot of baggage of past failures. But isn't it wonderful that every day in Christ is a new day? Today, right now, this morning, is a fresh new start. That slate can be wiped clean, and God can make us what he has purposed and called us to be in Christ all along. He can do that, and he desires to do that. Dee, if you'd come, I'm going to close with one more scripture. We're talking about right at the end here about the Lord. Turn into the Lord for help. And David says in Psalm 119, Let thy hand help me, for I have chosen thy precepts. So he's saying, I've chosen Christ, I've, cho- I've chosen the Lord to be my Lord and to walk in his ways, and let your hand help me. It's a very simple scripture, but it's very uh, wonderful. Call upon the Lord for his help. Y'all stand with me this morning.